Hello and welcome to episode 87 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. Good My, save. <laughs> My name is Anthony Lake and I'm the U.S. editor of Waters Technology and I'm with James Rundle, the news editor of Waters. Hey everybody. Um, so James uh, just uh, flew back in uh, last night from Chicago. I did. Um, we'll, we'll discuss in a little bit some, you know, some of the interesting things you, you saw out there. Um, and then uh, briefly touch on margin rules uh, with phase two coming into effect um, this month. And then already firms are kind of starting to look at the phase three, which will be uh, have to be in compliance by September 2018. So we'll hit on that. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit of uh, soccer, football, whatever the hell you want to call Plus it. Plus a big announcement from Waters in London well, as well. I, you know, I have it all set up here, James. I mean, I have a float of these things. Yes, yes. So there is <laughs> a big event coming up in London, okay? It is the Waters Technology Innovation Summit 2017. It is uh, being billed as the first European event that focuses exclusively on the fintech industry from a capital markets perspective. That is a bold claim, isn't it's it? It's a bold claim. I, <coughs> I mean, from a capital market, so we're not talking about retail banking, you know, we're talking mm. about capital markets. I, mean, I think that we just drilled into enough of a niche that we can <laughs> kind of pull off that claim. We can claim first mover advantage on this, yeah. And I think that I think Tab has one, Tab Group. I think they have something similar in New York, though. So this yes. is Europe's yeah. first, yeah. So we've got to be clear on this. Um, this is going to be on November 15th. Um, it will be at the Hilton London Bridge. At the, at the Hilton at London Bridge, I'm yep. guess that's, that's what that yeah, means. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you put that together, but I, I'm, I'm a genius, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, this was all pulled together. We had a um, an advisory board panel that uh, included uh, people like Michael Colo from AXA, uh, J.P. Rangswamy from uh, Deutsche Bank, Sarah Biller, Sandbox, um, uh, Barry Chiller from HSBC, Barney Dalton, Aspect Capital, um, Oliver Busman, um, who many, many of you know from UBS and from Busman Advisory, big blockchain guy. Um, and Stuart Carmichael Schroeders as well as some others. Pretty um, impressive advisory board actually. It was a very good advisory board. They kind of helped put together this agenda um, and speaking on it is going to be Magdalena Kron. Sorry, it took me a second to look at that name and, and be able to properly pronounce it. Uh, uh, head of Rise London VP Open Innovation at Barclays. Um, Eli Hardwick. Uh, Ellie? Ellie. Yeah. Shut up, Jim. Uh, <laughs> head of innovation at Deutsche Bank, Ali Harris, uh, Oliver Harris, head of fintech and in residence at J.P. Morgan, who in a couple of weeks you'll be hearing from him. We're going to have him on the podcast oh, at Coming the end. Yeah, at the end of September, um, he will be joining us on the podcast to kind of uh, just randomly. I didn't even know he was going to be uh, at this event. Um, Stuart Carmichael is going to be there, and Michael Nashus. I'm probably getting that name wrong, but Global Head of Artificial Intelligence at Prudential. There are going to be a bunch of other speakers and some of the sessions that we're going to cover here, Jim. Let's, we can even kick this around here a little bit. Mm. Innovation mentality. Got to have the right cultural fit, you know, which for big, you know, banks, big sell-side institutions, that, that isn't always easy kind of changing into that kind of mindset of being a fintech um, kind of firm, they think. Oh well, as long as we have an open open development plan in our office, then we're just like a Silicon Valley firm. Yeah. 
doesn't quite work that well, way. When it comes around to sort of bank regulation time, they say, oh, no, we're a technology company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. We're going to look at harnessing innovation within the financial services industry, opportunities, hurdles, and lessons learned. Um, leveraging machine learning, AI, and human intelligence. You had to know machine learning was going to be a part of that. AI was I think it's mostly focused on it, right? And that's kind of I, a lot of the panels are going to be focused on. That's kind of the theme for this conference. I think so, yeah. um, and that's why we've been doing some of these webinars that we've been that uh, mm -hmm. I've been hosting recently. Um, kind of build up to this. Uh, we're going to have a case study creating a successful client and fintech partnership. Um, elevator pitches have from three innovate uh, how to do elevator pitches from three innovative fintech startups uh, blockchain and DLT um, overcome regtech we got it all man this thing is gonna have it all it's gonna be good It'll November be good. 15th yeah and this is a mini sort of sell side focused or buy side focused or both really because it's replacing the the sell side event for this year right so look at the speakers and everything it's gonna mainly be uh, sell side but I think if you're a large buy side firm, yeah, that there's going to be a lot of uh, that there's going to be a lot of things that you can certainly take away from the event. Yeah, and like um, I said, it's uh, it's very heavily focused on our space, which you know I guess most of you have been to these fintech conferences before, and there's always a weird mix of kind of some institutional stuff and then like payment stuff and retail and all that kind of crap that no one really cares about. But yeah, it's, uh, that's why we get to be the first. That's why we get to be the first because um, we've said we're not going to we take out all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. Focus in on here. Exactly. So it should be a good event. I'm looking forward to not going. If, <laughs> hey, listen, if they want to fly me over to London. I'm, I'm happy totally to go. in. Yeah, then, so, uh, yeah, yeah, petition our editor in chief for your favorite US <laughs> news editor, uh, US editor, and US uh, news editor to, uh, to come over. Um, if you are interested, uh, you're going to want to um, contact uh, Georgina Davidson. Georgie um, will have her contact information um, if you want to attend or if you want information about how to sponsor or whatever else. Yeah. So, that's exciting stuff. Let's turn to less exciting stuff, Jim. You in Chicago. Me in Chicago. Uh, yeah, not yeah. as exciting as uh, as fintech in London, unfortunately. That was good. Um, so I was out to um, kind of haunt the SSNC Deliver Client Conference, um, like some sort of ragged ghost for about three days. Um, <laughs> but it was uh, it was actually really interesting. So I mean, often client conferences can be a bit kind of sales pitchy. In this one, don't get me wrong. Sure. I love was SSNC talking about what SSNC is doing, as you might expect. Um, It'd be weird if you went to an SSC uh, client conference and they started talking to you about what trading technologies well, can do for you. That's the thing I found yeah. kind of strange when I was there. Was when I went on the conference floor and there were sponsors from like ICE Data Services right. and Morningstar. And like, it was like a kind of mini conference itself, but no one was on any panels. Um, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, regardless of that, it was quite good because SSNC obviously now isn't just a tech company. It's the biggest hedge fund administrator in the world yep. um, after its acquisition of um, investor services from Wells Fargo. And um, I think, was it Morgan Stanley or, or City? I, I think it was starting in 2015. Um, so there's a good mix of uh, the kind of end users there from small sort of single family offices all the way through to asset managers and everything else. And I got to meet quite a few of them. So thank you for everyone who put up with me and uh, and to SSNC, of course, who facilitated a lot of that. But Was there anything, you know, as you were talking to just some of the people there, were there any common threads, any kind of themes that kind of developed? Yeah, I mean, it kind of, it did vary. Um, as you might expect by the profile of the person you're speaking to. So the family officers were kind of more concerned with, I guess, talent because a lot of the guys I spoke to, there's one chap from Longview said that the, um, I think the the lowest tenure of an employee there was 15 years or something like that. So they tend to hire people and retain and that's their big challenge. Mm -hmm. Then you got through to the other end where people were worried about the usual sort of trifecta of, uh, of regulation and cybersecurity and, and technology sort of 
acquisition, I guess, to a certain extent. Um, but the interesting thing, I guess, um, you know, this kind of came off the back of Hurricane Irma and, and Harvey as well. Uh, a few guys from Florida there who I spoke to said that, you know, their offices are kind of three feet deep in standing water at the moment. Um, but we end up talking a lot about disaster recovery and BCP and that kind of thing, um, sure. especially as it relates to how people are now looking at the cloud. Um, and actually, we've got a cover story which focuses on this from a company in Boca Raton in Florida. Um, we still haven't heard from this week. <laughs> to <laughs> <it> through. Um, <laughs> hopefully their, their implementation went well and they failed over. But um, yeah, a couple of guys said to me actually this year, um, you know, they put DR plans and BCP plans in place and they're kind of like, aside from the guys who are in hurricane zones who generally have to think about this kind of stuff, they're kind of um, just documents they have there. No one really expects the office to be shut down. But yeah. I think all of them said that this year they've used their um, emergency systems and their DR plans and their BCP plans uh, more than any other year in their history. And that's due to a combination of, I guess, weather events like the hurricanes, but also... The hashtag of, um, climate change. Hashtag climate change. Uh, <laughs> the two are not indivisible. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but also because of just the sheer amount of, I guess, terrorist activity as well this year. So you've had attacks in London, in Stockholm, and uh, in, even in Finland, I think, um, yeah. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Um, and even in New York and Times Square, which wasn't a terrorist incident, it was just a drunk guy in a car driving down Times mm -hmm. Square. But, um, yeah, they're sort of saying it's become this grim ritual now where they activate their employee check-in system they all have. And, uh, you know, everyone has Kind of like Facebook's, uh, you can yeah, check-in. Well, exactly like that, yeah. A lot of guys have that system where it'll ping your phone and you have to kind of respond and say you're okay or you're out of danger and that kind of thing. Because, yeah, exactly. you know, a lot of these guys have uh, global offices everywhere. And yeah. it's, it's hard to keep track of them. But that was one of the really interesting things that came out. But I thought... Um, and, yeah, just the... Generally, the, um, the way that a lot of firms, I think, even the small family offices were keeping an eye on things like MIFID 2 they're not regulated um, to the same extent obviously as the bigger asset managers and they have exemptions because they're under a certain AUM or they perform a certain activity but even they were saying they were sort of thinking of hiring regulatory experts just to keep an eye on the direction of where it's going because I think you had this conversation about with somebody about the New York cybersecurity regulations mm -hmm. um, you know it doesn't apply to some of the buy side guys but they were saying it's a harbinger of what might come down the road for them and that was just a really strong theme that I got through all this that everyone's yeah. kind of looking ahead and thinking well you know regulation isn't something that's fixed in time it can change at any moment whether due to political uh, reasons like a change of administration or due to market events like a financial crisis or a crash sure. or whatever um, so they're all sort of looking at it and going well maybe we need to start being on top of this which is, I think is a massive change in mindset from where a lot of buy side firms were even four years ago five years ago yeah, um, yeah. it's I mean it's, it's incredible and what, what we're going to see over the next couple of years with privacy uh, through GDPR stuff yes. like that yeah. and then cybersecurity um, with the NYDFS GDPR NIST stuff like that mm -hmm. you know the, it's those are going to really start to take center stage and in, in many ways firms are just you know they, the regulators don't really know what they're doing because you can see by how broad some of these yeah. these descriptions are, how the definitions are all over the place. Um, so I guess it's you know probably best practice to have somebody that can help navigate those waters at least a little bit. Well, yeah. even on the, the the bigger buy side, you know, they won the battle over the SIFI designation, the systemically important financial institution thing, um, but that hasn't really gone away. It's just mm -hmm. been kind of put to one side, and all it takes is. Um, you know, another IOSCO Secretary General who's quite keen on doing it to sort of bring it back again. So I think a lot of people recognise that they've had a bit of a reprieve for a few years, but that ain't going to last forever. Sure. Yeah. Well, and speaking of regulation, I'm so good at these transitions. That's just Let me tell you. I mean, yeah. um, 
looking at the news events from the week, um, James, if you want to read uh, some of his uh, coverage, uh, he has uh, one good story up there right now from um, SNC Advent Target's order creation with Genesis release, um, where he spoke with a couple of, they were hedge funds or family uh, office? Or? One guy was just a, yeah, an investment advisor, wealth manager type thing, okay. uh, the other guy was an asset manager. So, okay. yeah. so where they talk about um, how they were in beta with uh, Genesis um, before yeah, life? Yeah. About nine, ten months. So interestingly, paid to be part of the beta as well, which I found kind of curious. So you thought if something's going to beta, I don't know how that works. How does yeah. that work exactly? I have no idea. Yeah. Well, the guy from Conestoga Capital was saying, yeah, they paid to be part of it. Um, yeah. So, but anyway, um, this new tool they brought out um, it helps with portfolio management, rebalancing that kind of thing. Which typically, if you have a, thousands of portfolios, can take you days to do by hand. Sure. If you're rebalancing against a model and generating buy and sell trades as a result of that rebalance. Uh, this tool can do it. I mean, we saw a live demo on stage where it rebalanced a thousand portfolios in fifteen seconds. So it's pretty good. They've been testing it with these companies, eight of them, I think. For was know. it as dramatic as that scene in Silicon Valley when uh, they compressed the file? It was. Uh, well, there wasn't the kind of. I think it was Tuesday morning at a yeah, SSC yeah. client yeah. conference. Yeah. There wasn't the kind of shock and awe that everyone was expecting. It's not like the our rowdy, uh, you know, Waters I mean, I conferences. Let me tell you. But no, that was good. And there'll be a couple more stories this week from other chats I've had as well um, and going into next week. So well, It's good to see we didn't send you out there for nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, good, yeah, despite some snide comments <laughs> about my holiday from my, uh, my US editor this morning. So, <laughs> um, so the, to go along with the regulation theme this week, um, Acadia Soft, uh, they released open source code to help uh, mid-tier firms, uh, we'll, we'll call phase three firms, uh, adhere to... Um, new non-clear derivatives transaction uh, reporting guidelines for initial margin. Um, this is all stuff that I'm just rambling out words right now. That's why I have uh, James in here. But basically, uh, phase two firms, phase one went uh, last year, uh, last September. Um, they went live on it. Um, phase two, this September, September 1st. Phase three will be 2018 and then four or five coming later. Yeah. Um, the idea here for um, for Acadia Soft is to kind of become, they're just trying to become a one-stop shop for yeah. three, fours, and fives so that, you know, use this open source code, it's free. By the way, we have these other services that help you to, because you need more than just the open source uh, code. So. so it's for the, for the SIM model, right? I think that's yeah. what we're doing it for. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they had a thing beginning of August where they, they're, they're all over this, like a cheap suit, obviously, because it's kind of their bailiwick. Um, sure. But they kind of did a weird thing for a vendor and then kind of launched a consulting service around this as well. So they're really on top and uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's tough. Uh, you know, each firm has to have its own initial margin model and it has to be approved by the Fed, I think, as well. So it kind of each firm has its own intricacies and idiosyncrasies mm-hmm. it needs to work out. Um, phase two is not really gonna be anything. I think there's like six banks involved in phase two and none of them are US based. Um, but uh, phase three is when a lot of the banks who have somehow hey, through alchemy is well yeah. not even them some of the bigger ones who by various forms of financial alchemy have escaped phase two um, <laughs> are now in phase three and there is no more excuse um, and also the large asset managers as well who as we all know no one cares about it until the asset managers come in because um, the banks are expected to deal with it and then yeah as you say the kind of the mid-tier regional banks as well yeah I mean so users of the code you know you, you still have to first obtain a license from ISDA um, for production use of sim and U.S.-based firms will need approval from their lead prudential regulator, yeah. whoever that Which may is be. Generally, that states sort of federal, yeah, national reserve. Or yeah. Whatever it is. yeah, so yeah. So, um, 
can read that story online. I'm not really sure. Again, like I said, phase two went through without a hitch. Yeah. Phase one, day one, I, I remember Peter Madigan wrote a story about it where it was a little bit of a shake-up since it was the first one, but it seemed like after, you know, that... Well, I think, you know, by yeah, month I'm getting cleared up. I mean, the initial margin side is not as complex, I think, as the variation margin side, which was March this year. Okay. Uh, and that involved just this kind of enormous effort to kind of repaper a lot of agreements which relied on previous ways of doing it. And uh, I'm not sure if everyone's even complied now, actually. But, um, yeah, it's, it's still a big thing. So I think people need to be aware of, I think, in all these changes coming to derivatives markets where essentially the... Uh, Everything's going to be cleared, whether by hook or by crook or whatever you call it. There is going to be a way of posting collateral against um, trades in a systematic manner, which, you know, judging by what happened in 2008 and onwards, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so those stories, we'll link to them. They're all online. Um, we're going to have a, a light that week this week. Um, we will have some guests for you as we head on into September. Um, but, you know, so figure, you know, we meant to get to this a couple of weeks ago before... Yeah the beginning of the EPL season. We were going to look at some soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, figure we have a Brit over. You know, might as well start, you know, <laughs> tapping into that knowledge base. Well, we've been talking about boxing so many times that I want to talk about my sport now. <laughs> 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 well, it's been quite changed since, you know, Dan left. When Dan, when Dan and I, you know, were both, you know, sports nuts and American sports nuts, so we always seem to be talking about sports, you know, mm-hmm. so... We've kind of branched out, you know. We 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 rounded out some it's things. Globalization in play, man. I it's, like it. it's, it's good. beautiful. Yeah. So, um, James is a uh, you're a Tottenham fan, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, not so much. No, I'm uh, the mighty the mighty Blues. Uh, Chelsea, for those that don't know. Which... Uh, I imagine our listenership just dropped by about fifty percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they'll never come back. They'll never get back. No, never so come back. Bastard from Stamford Bridge. <laughs> um, EPL, uh, how's how's it gone off? And more well, importantly, the... where are we heading here into the season here now? So that the EPL season begun. Chelsea had a disastrous first half of their first game against Burnley. Yeah, well, they went three, three no, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly, and then. At that point, all the commentators were saying, well, you know, this early in the season, you don't want to put forward any prognostications, but is Chelsea's title defence in trouble? Like, 45 mm-hmm. minutes of the first sure. game. It's like the Patriots losing their first game. Yeah, it's exactly, like, yeah, right. It's over. Yeah, it's Dynasty's dead. And then we kind of came back, and we, we should have actually won that game, but um, through a few kind of errors on our part. And then we've won every game since, culminating, of course, this week in our mighty demolition of Karabag, uh, the Azerbaijani Superstars. By Johnny's. <laughs> in the first game of the Champions League, 6 0. I mean, Jesus, why did you even put these teams in there? I mean, if you look at our group, it's Chelsea, who won the Premier League last season, Atletico Madrid, Roma, yeah. Carabag. <laughs> they must have looked at them and gone, well, it was fun about it last week, guys. See what, what upsets me is that Armenia's never been able to get, like, FC Yerevan or something like that across <laughs> into, like, something. Like, I'd love to be able to, on one time on TV, be able to watch Chelsea. Absolutely doing some team from uh, from Armenia. That'd be fun to watch. Azerbaijan can get a team across. I have no idea. But. I've literally no idea. I mean, like, I, I don't really follow the Champions League too much because um, I prefer the Premiership actually to watch it. But I don't know how the Azerbaijanis got in there. I mean, it's sort of. Well, I know there was a little bit of a contra- controversy because um, the the midfielder for I think the midfielder uh, for Manchester United is uh, McCherian McCherian or whatever yeah. his name is. Um, He's uh, Armenian, and if they had to go and if they got put into that group with um, uh, the team he played there, I can't pronounce her name either, um, 
then he wouldn't have been able to play because just security concerns. They were like, really? we're not going to yeah. send yet yeah, uh, just because the Armenian Azerbaijani war that they had there over uh, Nagorno Karakal. Right. Oh, so putting the fans together wouldn't necessarily be a great idea. Exactly. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, it just yeah. doesn't make it's, any uh, sense yeah. to have that put that kind of situation. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm happy you guys at least went. And, did him in six nothing now. Six nothing, which is cool. uh, I think is the record actually for the first Champions League game. I lost right. that margin, um, okay. which no one was kind of. I mean, Karabag is not a name that strikes fear into the hearts of football fans. Yeah. Over there. I was no, surprised yeah. by the Juventus guy. I watched. I went down to, I was surprised to White Horse. Well, actually, yeah. You know, yeah. spooned them. Yeah. And just a couple months later, just they were dreadful. Their passing was dreadful. Tired, didn't they? Like on their feet in the first game. Just I mean, they were leaving Messi open right in the middle of the box. Like, yeah. that's kind of somebody. I know he's a little bit older now, but maybe, you well, know. I mean, this is always the point, I think, of the season where you, you kind of have some teams who almost from the start decide whether they can be bothered with Europe this year or whether they want to focus on the domestic championship. Yeah. They'll, they'll put a second string team out and they'll rest their players. Or um, if you're Arsenal or someone who's got no chance of winning the Premiership, you'll just go full hog just to get some silverware. Um, but yeah, I mean, back in the EPL, I think it's gonna be a good season. I think like United look really strong. Manchester United, you saw that against the game against Basel as well, mm-hmm. um, where they looked uh, pretty. Who's the guy? Lukaku. Lukaku. Yeah, he was the one that Chelsea wanted. Yeah, he he's been playing pretty well, and uh, yeah, they've got a they've got a great midfield now. They've got Matic from Chelsea. Um, Pogba, who pulled up lame, but that's just a hamstring. I yeah, think, right? I mean, he's sort of you know just a thousand pounds a touch really that kind of players play so much but um, yeah they've got a really strong side I think they're contenders and they, I would, if I had to hazard a guess I would say it was between Chelsea and United for the title this year they'll probably be the favourites um, Man City uh, Dan G. Francesco you know lived in Manchester yeah, for a little so bit is, City, do they have a chance or do, yeah, do they suck they've got a strong team uh, every season for the I was trying to let you yeah. just kind of shit all over Man City well I was uh, going to but then the last time uh, I was away and everyone was like Dan heard you call him a dick on the last podcast <laughs> he's really angry <laughs> I was coming into work expecting to get clobbered by this like six foot two lacrosse player. Just like, what have you been saying about me on Wavelength Rundle? I'll kill you. I'll kill you. That's still sort of like points over you over your shoulder now again. Just goes. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, yeah, I wouldn't be able to stop him. God, throw me right out of the way. None of us would. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, so City and Spurs probably after that, and then yeah, everyone hates Arsenal. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Poor Peter Madigan, yeah, he was. Uh, that, that's the team that I watched most. Everyone has Madigan as well, so yeah, exactly. Right. Kind of, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he definitely doesn't listen to the podcast. So. <laughs> you kidding me? I thought he was a subscriber at PMI Mellon Markets as editor at large now. <laughs> Um, but no, a big good season. I think a lot of good football coming out. Um, end of the MLS as well, so it's kind of a good little transition period where there's football pretty much every day, and the World Cup qualifies as well. So. Or you could just watch American football and just be entertained by that. Okay, yeah, uh, I'm trying to get to grips with it, like trying slowly but surely. And my wife is trying to explain the rules to me, and I kind of get it. I just isn't that cute? It's cute yeah. <laughs> she doesn't play baseball as well. Like she is obsessed with sports to a degree that is unhealthy. Um, <laughs> The so Giants, Rangers, and uh, Yankees, and I suggested that I acquire the Jets, and so she didn't speak to me for about three hours afterwards. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I kind of get it, but like as a rugby fan, it's so similar, obviously, in a lot of ways, but it's just so stop start that I can't, without having a deeper knowledge of the game, it's hard for me to really appreciate kind of the strategy, the tactics, and everything. Honestly, I don't, I, I'm a big football fan, but mm. only the Patriots, if if they're like playing Thursday night, like they played last Thursday, I'll sit down and I'll watch the whole Patriots game and sit to the commercials. Otherwise, either get the Red Zone channel where it's just 
it's just constant football. There's no commercials or anything like that. Right. It's great. Costs a little bit of money. We'll just go to a bar and just a bar has all the TVs on. It's a great way to spend a Sunday. Speaking of football, actually, uh, me and uh, Tim Murray, who used to work for Waters, I was out TBM. with TBM. Um, we did catch the Broncos game, I think, which was on the end of it on Monday. Monday night. Yeah. Maybe you can clear this up. So, last shot of the game was a field goal, I think, which the Broncos might have took or someone else. We'll mm-hmm. get the team. Um, then he had to San Diego, San Diego Chargers. That's it. Um, and then uh, all or the LA Chargers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is so confusing. American sports. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so he took the field goal and he got it, and that would have let them win the game or at least draw it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. For them, for some reason, he had to retake it. I'm not entirely sure. Coach why called a timeout right before he kicked. It's one of those stupid little things. He That's what it was. So he fouled up the kick. Just and then he did, they did a second time actually, where mm-hmm. he missed it. I think it was. And then the third time, I think he then finally just fully missed it or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. That's it, yeah. It's stupid. I mean, it's no way, like, people come in and are like, oh, football, you know, everybody talks about great football. I'm like, honestly, if, unless you were born with it, I, I don't see how you get into it because it really is so such start and go, so many stupid arbitrary rules that exist. Really, really difficult kind of sport to watch. Speaking of arbitrary things, uh, one thing that really did piss me off this weekend was NBC's new, have you heard of NBC Gold now? Gold. So we pay for the sports package for the cable at home. We sure. get football and everything like that, and that's great. So you get the Premier League, uh, Champions League, I think it's Fox. Now NBC is doing a thing where they want you to pay 50 extra bucks to uh, watch one-third of the Premiership games per season. It's just a horrible little money grab. I don't get it. It's all for the rugby, an extra $60. <laughs> sort of, uh, so you ha- so wait, you get to watch all the games? So all the games are screened on NBC now. Okay. Same as last season, but one-third of the games. And this weekend it happened to be the Chelsea game. Um are now on this service called NBC Gold where you have to buy a pass to watch it and that kind of thing. On top of what you pay already, it's just like, guys, come on. you know. It's, it's almost like they have this really good product that you want yeah. and that they're putting a price tag to it. Well, it's almost like they can think, I can charge them twice for this and they're not going to do a fucking thing about it. They're just gonna <laughs> they play. just know. They just know. Bastards. <laughs> By the way, if you'd like to subscribe to Waters... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave it there. Um, again, November 15th... Um, you can go Vic, uh, get to see Victor Anderson, John Brazier, Aglos. Aglos Andreu. Yeah. Um, they'll all be out there for the events, I would imagine. Um, yeah. and, unless we can talk them in, then probably won't be seeing us there. Um, <laughs> but uh, And if you have any questions on that, uh, Georgina Davidson, she can help you out. Um, anything else, Jim? Is it for me? All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Cheers.